0: Today, in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 7. This chapter begins with a section entitled Clean and Unclean, and we have also read about this in the Gospel of Matthew. It says, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. Now Mark puts in parentheses in verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. You'll remember that we read about in Matthew in chapter 15 that after the Babylonian captivity, the Jewish rabbis began to make meticulous rules and regulations governing the daily life of people. These were interpretations and applications of the law of Moses. Here I'm quoting the footnotes in my Bible. It says that this was handed down orally from generation to generation, and it was not until 200 AD that it was put into writing in the Mishnah. Now back in Mark chapter 7, picking up in verse 4, it says, when they come from the marketplace, They do not eat unless they wash. So the marketplace, that just simply means that they've been around either Gentiles or Jewish people that are not quote-unquote clean. It says they observe many other traditions as well, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And that ends the section of parentheses that Mark had set up. So picking back up in verse 5, it says, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus replies, Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written. And he's quoting from Isaiah 29. Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And that is where Mark leaves off this scripture that Jesus is quoting. In Isaiah, the scripture that he's actually quoting, it goes on to say, Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. So Jesus says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. It says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So let's go back and look at that word Corban and find out what Jesus is referring to. In my footnotes, it is explained here by biblical scholars. It says, Corban is the transliteration of a Hebrew word meaning offering. By using this word in a religious vow, an irresponsible Jewish son could formally dedicate to God, or the temple essentially, his earnings that otherwise would have gone for the support of his parents. The money, however, didn't even necessarily have to go for religious purposes. The Corbin formula was simply a means of circumventing the clear responsibility of children toward their parents as prescribed by the law. The teachers of the law held that the Corbin oath was binding, even if it was uttered rashly. The practice was one of many traditions that adhered to the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit. So here it says that by explaining this Hebrew word, Mark reveals that he is addressing Gentile readers, probably Romans primarily. So that's the explanation in my footnotes about what a Corbin is. And here Jesus is dealing with the fact that that they are holding to the letter of their tradition while forgetting that a man should honor his father and mother. Now, picking back up in verse 14, it says, Jesus again called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. Then Mark puts in parentheses. In saying this, Jesus declares all foods clean. Then Jesus goes on. What comes out of a man? Is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, moving on to the next section the faith of the Syrophoenician woman. This can also be found in Matthew. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the little children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. He was simply saying that the first people that need to hear his message need to hear it before it's moved on to the Gentiles, basically giving the Jewish people the first chance and then the Gentiles. But she responds, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table, eat the children's crumbs. So he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So like we discussed in Matthew, this woman was willing to settle for the crumbs, any overflow, anything at all that would give her the thing that she was asking in the presence of God. And her faith And asking for that compelled Jesus to heal her daughter. Now moving on to the next section entitled, The Healing of a Deaf and Mute Man. This can also be found in the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some of the people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. I've always thought this was so interesting. He didn't just speak to this man. He literally put his fingers in the man's ears. And then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Again, this is Aramaic. You'll have to forgive me if I mispronounce this word. But he said, a which literally means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosed and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And that ends Mark chapter 7. We'll pick up next time in Mark chapter 8.